1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me again, it's Kyle Madsen, the content czar over at NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Kyle, Sunday was like a really epic day just with the Masters and Tiger winning and Game of Thrones and NBA playoffs. Do you have a highlight from the weekend you want to get into real quick?
2: My, do you want to know how I watched the Masters? Yes, I do. We were talking about this on on, on my radio show today in, in Sacramento. Humble brag. Thank you. And no, just actual brag. I'm on the radio in Sacramento. <laughs> 50,000 watt station, sports 1140K, HGK. No, no, <laughs> no, no big deal. <laughs> no, so we were talking about like, that was one of those like, you, you'll remember where you are moments like, you totally. know, and I was like, you know where I was? I was streaming it on my phone from the wall decor section of an IKEA in West Sacramento.
1: <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah, oh, it boy. was. Uh,
2: it was a lot. It was. It was good though. Um, yeah, I think. I think Game of Thrones though was my highlight of the weekend because the episode didn't suck. There was a a lot of opportunities for the episode to be really, really, um, really bad. And I think they came through. It was kind of an old school Game of Thrones episode. And I was really satisfied with it. So I'm I'm excited to see where the rest of the season goes.
1: Yeah, the Game of Thrones episode really hit like on all of the themes that we're sort of accustomed to. We had the symbolism from like the Night Kings. Uh, all those symbols they have like hung on the wall with that kid that they killed. And I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, I agree with you. It was a great episode. The, uh, the opening really threw me off. They just completely went a different direction with... Uh, with opening credits which was a little bit weird but we could get into that maybe later in the pod first um can i complain about about gym etiquette for
2: a second put i would love that there's okay. no in fact if we burn the rest of the rundown to talk about gym etiquette <laughs> for half an hour i'm in Can't yeah i mean we, we could We're
1: here. we could devote an entire podcast maybe that's something we do like when when the, the off season's really dead in like late june or july or something like that but no so I go to the gym. It's Monday morning. It's like ten o'clock, and the nice thing about going at that time is it's beyond the the early morning rush. Like a lot of people go before work, and fortunately, this time of the year, like I can I can go at ten o'clock. I I, and come back and write and record podcasts and all that stuff. So I go there, and I'm going to run today. It's cardio day, and the row of treadmills is completely empty. So I'm pumped. I'm like, cool. Get to like my own space. I I just like I, I like having my own personal space. You know, like. Yeah. That's not oh, weird, right?
2: Absolutely. No, I'm totally with you. I will inconvenience myself to make sure that I'm working out far away from people.
1: So <laughs> I pick a treadmill kind of right in the middle of the row. And I start like doing my quick little stretches before I start running. And I, and this dude comes up and gets it like there's a row of 30 treadmills. And this dude comes up and takes a treadmill directly to my right. And it was like, oh. I had just started writing. And so basically... Or not riding, running. (laughs) And and I was basically committed to being next to this person who awkwardly picked the treadmill next to me for the next 45 minutes.
2: Right, because you can't stop and move over one and start (laughs) again. Right, and
1: Roscoe's really upset. Roscoe agrees
2: completely. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I think, I think, I mean, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) We're leaving all of this in. (laughs) Okay. We're, we're, I, I understand if, no, I don't understand. Check that because I have like my machines at the gym where it's like I always use the third one from the right. Sure, like that's just the treadmill I use. But in it's this a comfort scenario, zone thing, yeah, I get it. Right, and in this scenario, if someone is on the second one from the right and there's nobody else using them, you bite the bullet and you move down one or two. Right, or if it's that important, wait. But getting on. Getting on a piece of exercise equipment right next to him, by the way, we're the two worst people in the universe for this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's like, don't don't do that, man. Like just it. There's there's a personal space thing. Um, I'm very conscious of myself and how I smell while I'm working out. And I don't want to worry about somebody next to me unless I unless I absolutely have to. I just take one over. Like, right.
1: Take, like, why do you have to be right next to me? Like this person didn't say anything to me. He didn't converse with me. All the treadmills are the same, right? They're the same exact piece Mm -hmm. of machinery. So there's no like differentiation between any of the treadmills. And they all have the TVs, their own TVs in front of them. So there's no, there's no like extenuating factors for this guy to pick the T, pick the treadmill he did other than just being right next to me, which was like, like, I, I try not to let a lot of stuff bother me, but this just like really threw me for a loop. (laughs) <laughs> and uh but i still got i still got a good run-in on the maybe on the treadmill a huge so.
2: fan of candlestick chronicles
1: maybe but like say something then because then it's less <laughs> awkward and like i mean i don't know be- being recognized in public is like a worst nightmare of mine sure it's happened once and uh i apologize to that person for being super awkward about it but i appreciate that they said hello and stuff and if you see me and you recognize me that's totally cool i'd like to be approachable but just know in person i'm probably an awkward an awkward, uh, an awkward hang if we don't know each other. So, anyway, can I? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I know you got something to say.
2: Yeah, in in Sa- in Sacramento, we we live stream our our show on YouTube. Oh, and your so radio people, show, your yeah, big time so radio show. People yeah. people know what I look like, and I wore a KHTK related shirt to a Kings game one time, and so I think people saw the shirt, then put two and two together that i'm a squatty fat ball guy um <laughs> and they're like oh that's kyle and you're a plus I've athlete had, i had yeah absolutely and for for someone my size i don't look like it but i can move i've seen it uh, on the <laughs> softball diamond <laughs> so this guy this one every it's happened a couple times and the couple times it's happened people are great they're like hey listen to the show all the time you're awesome and it's like thanks man that's great one guy goes hey man um I listen to the show all the time. I don't really, uh, what did he say? He goes, I don't really ever agree with you, but he's like, oh, (laughs) all right. Hey, first Uh, time,
1: long time. Your takes suck.
2: (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's just, I don't ever really agree with you, but it's fun to listen. (laughs) Oh, all right,
1: man. That's brutal. Well, anyway, uh, we're recording this episode on a Monday. We are less than two weeks out from the NFL draft. And I sort of had an epiphany over the weekend, and and we had talked about this a little bit before, but like, I think I found what the biggest sort of storyline or development from the 49ers perspective is that could shape their, their path uh, with their second overall pick in the upcoming draft. I guess we should just go into it. Like DeForest Buckner, their defensive tackle, obviously probably their best and most consistent player since he got drafted in 2016, is eligible for a contract extension this offseason right um right. he has not come to an agreement on a contract extension the only thing we've heard from buckner is a instagram post um, captioned tunnel vision right and buckner isn't the type of guy to um to express his frustrations over social media and it would be purely speculative speculative if i'm being honest to to say that the instagram post was a result of maybe frustrations from you know, not having a contract uh, in place beyond, you know, his rookie deal or maybe negotiation soured or whatever. I'm not going to say that, but I'm not ruling it out either, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Point being, and we're we're going to talk about this throughout the episode, but you can draft Queen and Williams if you're going to replace DeForest Buckner, right? Like, So let, let, let's zoom out and, and look at the financials of this, right? So John Lynch and Paragmarate, their chief contract guy, have both talked about taking a three-year approach financially to all their significant decisions, right? So we're a year out from Buckner entering his fifth season, and the 49ers are going to pick up his fifth-year option. But next offseason is going to be very similar, if Buckner doesn't sign a long-term deal before then, to what the Raiders went through in during the 2018 offseason with Khalil Mack. The reason why I bring up Khalil Mack, not only because – is he a good defensive front player? Uh, he has the same agent, Joel Siegel, as DeForest Buckner. So if Buckner doesn't come to a new contract agreement before next offseason, there's a very real chance he's advised to hold out and not play on his fifth year option without the long term security of a new contract. If you're the 49ers and you're looking at this and saying, well, we could either pay DeForest Buckner 18 to 20 million per season with a ton in guarantees, make him one of the highest paid defensive tackles in football, which is a perfectly justifiable decision, by the way, I'm not I'm not advocating one, one direction or another, but if you say, okay, we think Queen and Williams is as good as Buckner or as somebody at the combine whose, whose opinion I, I trust and respect Italian evaluator told me that Queen and Williams is, is a better prospect coming out of college right now than DeForest Buckner. And obviously You know, Queen and Williams is expected to be a top five pick. Buckner lasted to pick number seven. So there might not be a huge difference. But in this person's eyes, Williams is a better prospect than Buckner. If the Niners can convince themselves that Williams is going to be a better player than Buckner, then it would absolutely make sense to draft Williams, pay him, you know, roughly $8 million a season on his rookie contract, uh, which would cost $33 million over those first four years before his fifth year option kicks in rather than paying more than double that per year for Buckner like I said 18 to 20 million a season is is probably the the neighborhood that Buckner expects to live in um the 49ers could do that they could they could very easily take queen and Williams and I know you know all of the talk these last few weeks and mock drafts and everything like that is you know Nick bosa is almost a near certainty and i I agree with that in that bosa should be the odds on favorite but if you look at it and you say, well, we have an opportunity to maybe trade DeForest Buckner, get a first round pick, maybe replenish a second round pick that they lost in the trade for D Ford. If you're looking at Williams as a wash in terms of how he compares to Buckner, but you're getting him for 30, 40 cents on the dollar rather than what you would be paying Buckner on his lucrative second contract. And you could bring back an additional first round pick and a second round pick or whatever draft haul you would get in a trade for Buckner, sure, then I think that's something the 49ers have to be considering. And to me, that's a huge question because, you know, the, the 49ers could look at it and say, well, we'll just take Bosa and deal with Buckner's contract later. If they get to a point where Buckner wants more money than the 49ers are willing to spend, and you know, the cap situation is a, is another discussion that we need to talk about too. But if they look at it like we're going to face a holdout and we're going to face, you know, a bunch of distractions and and things like that regarding arguably their best and most talented player on defense, then would they just want to rip the Band-Aid off now, trade Buckner this offseason or after next offseason and draft Queen and Williams now while you're getting similar production on the inside at a much cheaper cost?
2: Okay, I have several questions. I was writing a bunch of stuff down as you were going there. Okay. So, so, the first thing I want to touch on is when we first started talking about the idea of the 49ers drafting Quinn and Williams, we talked a lot about the idea of the value of a defensive tackle with the number two pick. Absolutely. And how there's, you know, the immediate hyperbolic comparison for a dominant defensive tackle is Aaron Donald. But... What if he's Gerald McCoy? Not that Gerald McCoy's a bad player, but is that the kind of player you want with the second pick? Right. Regardless of the position. Right. So that is one issue for me. Is okay, if you're gonna if you're not gonna draft Nick Bosa, let's say he's available and they're not gonna draft him, wouldn't it be more prudent to trade back at that point than take Quinn and Williams?
1: Yeah. And maybe, maybe they do Ed Oliver, right? Maybe, maybe they trade down and instead of getting an edge guy, they, they target, you know, somebody who think, who they think could be, you know, equally as disruptive at defensive tackle and somebody like Ed Oliver.
2: Okay. And then when you talk about a trade market for DeForest Buckner, are we sure that the market would be that high?
1: Well, Okay. If
2: if not, if not, okay, let, let's assume it's not this offseason. Let's assume it's next offseason where he has his fifth year option left. And that's it. So let's assume he has one year left on his deal for a defensive tackle who's going to demand, let's call it, top three defensive player in the league money. Right. Considering the 49ers got a future second round pick or gave up a future second round pick for a guy like D Ford, Is it, is it reasonable to believe the Forty Niners could get a first round pick back for Buckner?
1: I think so. Um, I mean, there aren't a ton of elite defensive tackles in the league.
2: Let's 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 assume here, and just for sake of argument here, let's assume he just kind of duplicates this year, or next year,
1: right? The so twelve sense. sacks, is, really durable, plays in all sixteen games. Yeah, yeah, good against the run and the pass. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I'm just looking at like the the highest paid defensive players or defensive tackles, I should say. Aaron Donald, 135 million, he's making 22 and a half a year. Fletcher Cox, 102.6 million, he's making 17.1 a year. I would think Buckner's going to come in just above Cox just because he's younger and the cap is going to go up, right? It's and it's not it's not always about quality of player when it comes to you know contract value. It's about when this person is signing that contract. We see it with quarterbacks all the time. It's always the next quarterback to sign the franchise type deal is the highest paid one. Um, so I would think with the cap continuing to expand, I think between eighteen and twenty million, right between Cox and Donald, is where Buckner is going to end up. And there just aren't a ton of elite defensive tackles. And if you're a team, one isn't jumping off. Uh, coming off the top of my head, but if you're a team that is an interior defensive presence away from taking your defense to the level where you need to get at to to you know compete for a Super Bowl, then I could see a team doing that and giving up a first round pick. You remember the Giants were were interested in DeForest Buckner. His name was was thrown out in the Odell Beckham trade conversations that the teams had, and the Forty ers weren't willing to give up Buckner, and they weren't willing to give up the number two overall pick. Um, sure. So I mean I think yeah I I think you could get a first round pick in a trade for DeForest Buckner. Okay. I mean but um, I, but but that's another big question, right? Like we would really have to go go back and look at all the all the trades for, you know, top end players and and see where Buckner sort of shakes out. But I think the line like we talk about edge rushers being a lot more valuable I I think Aaron Donald and maybe JJ Watt and Fletcher Cox and Geno Atkins and k1 short, like they might be sort of changing the, the way teams evaluate put, you know, positional value, right? Like they sure. might view, I mean, Aaron Donald is arguably, you know, the most valuable defensive player in the league right now. Um, he's an interior guy. Fletcher Cox is super valuable to the Eagles. They're a really financially prudent team and they gave him a massive contract. Right.
2: It feels unfair to add Aaron Donald to this conversation though because he's so much better. No no question. Than everyone else in the league. No question. I just think he's
1: sort of set the bar for what teams look for, you know, from right. from defensive tackles. So, yeah, I, I guess that's a good point. We don't know what the 49ers could get in a trade for for DeForest Buckner. It probably wouldn't be what what the Bears got for Cleo Mack, but the bear or what the Bears gave up for Cleo Mack. Right. That deal included two first round picks though. So sure. could the Niners get one first round pick for Buckner? I think so. One think first round pick bit. and then a package of mid round picks or something like that. Like I, I think that's on the table or it, it probably would be on the table if they were thinking about trading him. So.
2: Okay. A couple other things. These two tie together a little bit, but the first one is we know that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are all about their culture and their locker room and, and establishing a a strong, a strong culture for, I I didn't have another word there, but Joe Staley last year compared DeForest Buckner to Frank Gore in terms of his like demeanor and preparation. Totally. Yeah. Football. Yep. Is that something that the locker room would just take to like, Oh, Hey, there goes, there goes DeForest Buckner for some draft picks. Like this is fine. Like that, that's that immediately. So not only from a production standpoint, but I think there is a, I don't want to say leadership, but there is a a role in the ecosystem of the 49ers locker room that someone would then have to fill.
1: There's, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I totally agree. And, and like I said, like I'm not advocating one way or the other, but I think we're, we're, we're not looking at the draft through the right lens if we're dismissing the scenario. Right. right. So
2: that makes sense.
1: And I mean, this thing could cut both ways. The Niners could say, well, Buckner wanted too much money. It was more about him than the team. Um, They could sell it similarly as, you know, the way the Raiders sold the Khalil Mack thing. Obviously that hasn't reflected well on the Raiders since that trade. Um, But we don't know how they're, how they're going to replenish the roster with all these draft picks that they have now. So maybe there's an outside chance that this ends up looking good for the Raiders. And, you know, I, I mean, we've talked about it before. We both, disagree with the trade and i think if it came down to it you and i would both agree that nick bosa would probably be the better pick and the 49ers should probably just give buckner what he wants and then deal with the ramifications later but i think like i said what we have to point out is the niners are going to have 25 million dollars in cap space that they're going to roll over into next season um after paying their incoming draft class so They're going to roll over their their fewest amount of cap dollars that they've had in years after signing Quan Alexander for his money. They're signing D Ford. Jimmy Garoppolo is on the books. They're going to have to sign George Kittle at some point. Um, So it's going to be increasingly difficult to fit another, you know, 18 to 20 million dollar per year contract on the books. So, I mean, I think they could do it. It's certainly reasonable. The cap's going to go up by 10 million a year. For the foreseeable future. Now the CBA is going to expire, I think, after the 2021 season, so that's going to be something that has to get factored into this as well. But I think it's more likely the 49ers draft Queen and Williams and end up trading to Forrest Buckner next off season than it is that they, you know, draft Nick Bosa and then Buckner plays on his fifth-year option and then they franchise tag him. I just don't think Joel Siegel is gonna is gonna allow that to happen. I think if no matter what, I think Buckner is going to hold out next offseason if he doesn't get his new contract. And I'm only saying that not not off anything I'm hearing, but just based on how Joel Siegel and Khalil Mack handled the Raiders situation last offseason. So I think the 49ers have to prepare for that, and that's why I wouldn't entirely close the door on drafting Queen and Williams number two overall because it seems very possible that the team could say, we don't want to pay Buckner that much money We don't think there's that much of a difference from a production standpoint between Buckner and Williams, and we would rather do that. And maybe we can recoup some draft capital by going this route, even if it means passing on Nick Bosa and passing on the chance to have three elite pass rushers up front as soon as 2019. Um, And obviously the downside is, right, like in 2019, you're going to have Buckner and Williams, presumably if you don't trade Buckner now. If, If you draft Williams, you'll have those two and they'll be... Figuring out exactly how that's going to work is going to be awkward, right? Because they're both three techs. It's not as simple as, well, we'll just play two defensive tackles. You can do that in in third yardage, third down and long yardage situations. You're not going to be able to do that in base downs. If you want, I mean, you might be asking for trouble if you ask Queen and Williams, a rookie who usually plays three technique to just be a nose tackle. And DeForest yeah, Buckner... do do
2: a different position.
1: It's a different position, completely different position. And you're not going to ask DeForest Buckner to play nose tackle. Well, then if you play your nose tackle, DJ Jones then he's going to get snaps that eat into Queen and Williams and you're just sort of reducing his value because he's not getting the snaps that he needs to be productive. So it would be an awkward situation. And this is before even talking about Solomon Thomas or Eric Armstead. Um, so yeah. it would be an awkward situation for sure. And adding Bosa would be far more seamless. But there are financial realities to this beyond this, this coming season and what the team needs right now. And like we know, like we we say it a lot, and and we know it. Like the draft comes with all sorts of surprises, and I just don't think we should rule out the Queen and William thing just yet.
2: One last thing, I wanna I wanna ask you about on this. Um, fully understanding that you're not advocating this, but rather exploring it, I also wonder. Let's go to the scenario where this does happen. Do you think that sends kind of a negative message to the rest of the locker room? Like, hey, this guy had 20 plus sacks in two years as an interior defensive lineman. Uh, we're not going to pay him. I, I think I think that's very tough to justify. Yeah. After uh, the front office.
1: And these are the things, these are the decisions that you have to make. And these are, you know, sort of the tenure defining decisions that you're going to have to make. And we haven't really seen them make this type of decision yet the Jimmy Garoppolo thing was just kind of easy and presented itself to them like they they needed a quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was available uh, because Bill Belichick broached them about a trade and it kind of fell into their laps right like they haven't had to make a decision okay do we want to pay this guy or move on that was really a franchise altering decision although last year they made kind of a decision like that but with right tackle by drafting Mike McGlinchey and moving on from Trent Brown. Now, I wouldn't compare Trent Brown and DeForest Buckner. Uh, I wouldn't throw them under the same umbrella because there are no questions about Buckner's work ethic, or you know his weight or conditioning or anything like that. Those are all questions that faced Brown and that the team had about Brown, and they were very worried about giving him a, a huge contract. So they went, they wound up trading him and drafting Mike McGlinchey doing the same thing with queen and williams and deforest buckner this summer or this spring sorry would be the same type of decision but on a much grander scale because buckner's such an important player to to what they do defensively and just you know he won the Len Ashman award voted on by teammates that's no small thing that's that's the most prestigious honor the yearly award that they give out every year um so i mean they're capable of doing it but we we don't know you know, we we don't know how Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are gonna handle these serious, big-time franchise altering decisions. We have a glimpse because of how they did the McGlinchy and Trent Brown thing. Um, I don't think we can base our judgment on on their tenure in terms of, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo addition and and that decision at franchise quarterback. I think that was an easy one, and I don't think you needed to be you know, an an all world executive or head coach to make that decision. I think it sort of just presented itself and worked out positively for them. Obviously, notwithstanding his ACL tear last September, but this is something that we don't know that that they can work through effectively, and we just can't. I mean, this is a team that drafted Solomon Thomas third overall, right? right? So we don't know how well they're going to evaluate the situation, and we don't know if they would rather save the money and the Queen and Williams route over the long haul. Rather than you know go Nick Bosa and then pay to Forrest Buckner what he's what he's going to be asking for and what he's going to be worth on the open market. Yep. Why don't we take a quick break and talk about Harry's Kyle? Did you know at Blue Wire we don't just partner with any advertiser. We want to make sure we're giving our listeners a good deal on a product. That's exactly that's exactly why we love doing business with Harry's. Harry's is giving Blue Wire listeners a shaving kit for just three dollars. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire and you'll save $10 on a trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. If you're not familiar with Harry's, it's time you should be. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. The founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. It's a lot of years. Join the 10 million that's a lot of people who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com/bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com/bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. This is
0: Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers and you're listening to the Candlestick Chronicles.
1: So what's your where where you stand on this on this idea that Queen and Williams shouldn't be taken lightly as as an option for number two overall, just just because of everything we're talking about regarding the sort of uncertain future with the Forrest Buckner?
2: Yeah, I think taking it lightly would be a little silly, especially since they seem to like him so much they had him in for a pre-draft meeting they they met with him at his pro day um it would i you can't rule it out for sure but i'm continuing to be of the mind that if nick bosa falls to you and you think he's the best player in the draft um you have to you have to take him and and bolster the outside pass rush because now all of a sudden your edge rush is one of the strengths of your roster like in one offseason and that's a, that's a very hard jump to make. On the other hand, if for some reason they have Williams ranked ahead of Bosa or if Bosa doesn't fall, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah tweeted today that like, uh, two weeks ago, he thought it was about 90% that Kyler Murray got drafted by the Cardinals. Now he thinks it's like 60. Um, so perhaps it's a moot point and and Williams is the best player available at two and they take him and they say, Hey, we took the best player and we'll figure it out. And I don't think, I think it would be hard to complain about that.
1: Uh, it would come on the with, other hand, it would come with a lot. Here's, here's the one thing I think we should mention too. It would come with a lot of public scrutiny, right? Like, absolutely. Yes. A lot of people would say, well, you've drafted Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, um, and you have an really? obvious need at, at the edge opposite D Ford, and you look at what the Chiefs did with Chris Jones and D Ford and Justin Houston and they led the NFL in sacks, and you could say, well, maybe we could replicate that with D Ford, DeForest Buckner, and Nick Bosa for the long haul. And and I think I would that's probably where I would fall. If I were to to write about them drafting Queen and Williams, that's what I would say is that the Niners would probably be better off doing this. But we don't know what those negotiations are like. And if DeForest Buckners and his camp if they're outpricing themselves in terms of you know where the 49ers view Buckner in their grand scheme and his overall value financially. If those if if the Niners decide that those two things don't click if their their valuation of Buckner and his asking price aren't in the same realm, then I I think it's a real possibility.
2: Yeah, I think so too. If I'm ranking their draft uh possible draft moves i think taking bosa is is number one for me i think it would behoove them more to trade back though than take williams so
1: yeah i could see that
2: i i would rather see them move back even if it's not a great deal um and they can stay in that top like six or seven range um, where they can where they can still get a high quality player, maybe recoup a couple draft picks. That's absolutely a move that I could see them making, and I think it would be more prudent than just drafting Williams number two. Unless their long term plan is unless they're looking at their starting lineup in twenty what is it twenty twenty one and it doesn't include DeForest Buckner, then that changes things. But I have a hard time believing right now they don't foresee DeForest Buckner playing on this team in twenty twenty
1: one. Right, and le- and like I said earlier, like. It could be that they like Ed Oliver, maybe just as much as Queen and Williams, but if they think they could trade back to seven, eight or nine or wherever and get Ed Oliver there while getting, you know, in a, a slew of other picks to solidify other positions that they have needs at, like, you know, receiver, safety, maybe corner, um, edge rusher, whatever, they, they still might be inclined to hold that same line of thinking as they would with Queen and Williams, but just by going a different direction with Ed Oliver. Um, that's all possible too and you know I've learned like if I've learned anything about you know the draft and covering the draft since you know 2013 was my first year doing it we it's like it's just unpredictable and we don't know exactly how the team is thinking and I think what outsiders you know generally the, the general population and fans do was look at the immediate roster and the short term you know, what, what each pick would mean for the 2019 season. Right. And obviously Nick Bosa fills an obvious need at the edge opposite D Ford. Right. I think that's right. pretty easy to to put together. But if you do look at, if you do zoom out and look at the long-term financial structure and where things are going with the team's contracts and the cap situation and all that, then it becomes far more, uh, the, the queen and William thing. even though he plays the, the same position as DeForest Buckner, And it would be tough fitting them both into, you know, roles that they would both need to have in the short term. In the long run, it makes some financial sense. And I guarantee you the 49ers are factoring that in, uh, which is why we just can't overlook it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Is there any other news we want to get to? I guess the offseason program started today. We're recording this on Monday, April 15th um no robbie gold kyle how concerned are you that robbie gold is not at the start
2: of the off-season conditioning program i'm extremely concerned chris let me tell you why <laughs> no uh no it's not it's not that big of a deal i actually wrote about this a little bit today the only thing that concerns me about it is that it's like step one towards this becoming a big deal but i don't i don't i don't think robbie gold's the type who's gonna like hold out for the season um he, he'll be there eventually. He's a 36 year old 14 year veteran he doesn't need to be at the day 1 of the off season program
1: yeah i agree um you know we we might not get to the point where gold's going to want to sign a long term deal it sounds like he you know his family is going to stay in the midwest um i think ultimately if it came down to it the niners would be fine giving him the franchise tag and making him the nfl's highest paid kicker For 2019, and I think he would probably be fine with that. Um, He likes the organization, he likes playing here, but I think, you know, his family didn't move out here, and Gold lived in a hotel the last two years essentially. Um, So I think from his standpoint, like he would rather play in the Midwest where he could be close to his family and maybe not live in a hotel. And I think that's understandable. But from the Niners standpoint, I mean, you know, they, I think they can count on Gold to still be. Good and effective, even if he's not on a long-term deal, even if he doesn't show up to the involuntary portion of the offseason program. I don't expect Gold to hold out when it matters in you know in the mandatory portion of the offseason program during OTAs in right. June. I think Gold's going to show up and be there, if not beforehand. Um, but I think I'm not expecting Gold to sign a long-term deal. So we'll see how that all shakes out. I know NBC Sports Bay Area reported that the Niners were interested in Steven Guskowski, the uh, the Patriots kicker. And then that same day, the Patriots signed him to, a, I think, a four-year, $17 million contract. So, um, like I said, I, I don't I don't think this is going to be a very dramatic situation. I just wouldn't expect Robbie Gold to show up at the offseason program. And I think the 49ers are probably okay with that, as long as Gold is making kicks at the same rate he did these last two years once the regular season
2: right. starts. Yeah, that's the important thing. Uh, the other thing, are we going to touch on the two roster moves from today? Uh, Let, let me have them. All right. Well, uh, defensive lineman Cedric Thornton, who retired last August, has been reinstated from the reserve retired list, and he's been added to the 90-man roster. Big news for Cedric Thornton followers. Absolutely. I can finally dust off my C. Thornton jersey. <laughs> and uh Greg Maben signed his one year exclusive rights tender the team announced that uh, right when we started recording this oh they did
1: announce roster moves i didn't even i didn't even look at my email i'm so locked into the podcast i just turn everything on do not disturb and and really oh that's that's smart really i
2: i don't do that in case like a Cedric Thornton Greg Mabin two-bagger roster move comes across <laughs> the wire
1: sure uh let's see Thornton Seven NFL seasons, played with the Eagles, Cowboys, Bills. Uh, he's appeared in 89 games, 48 starts, uh, 278 tackles, 7.5 sacks, six pass breakups, four fumble recoveries, and two forced fumbles. Uh, if I'm correct, I think he's more of a nose tackle than, than a three-tech, so maybe if he does make I would the team... He's uh he, he sort of works in tandem with DJ Jones. But um, I don't think the Cedric Thornton news is going to have a dramatic impact on the 49ers 2018 season. But maybe... Bigger news.
2: But, bigger news. Robbie Gold not being at day one of uh offseason activities or the Cedric Thornton reinstatement. Bigger
1: news. I'm going to go with Gold just because he's on the franchise tag and he's sure. won the Niners a significant portion of their... Uh, 10 wins over the last two seasons <laughs> um anything else we want to wrap it
2: up just quick uh uh real quick last thing yeah. uh Nikhil harry visited the 49ers today oh uh per tom pellicero right
1: i reviewed that this morning
2: yeah if 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 nakil harry is available like at 36 or if he's the niners target in a trade up into the back end of the first round Uh, I would be extremely pleased with that move for them because I think he's going to be a really, really good player. That's my take on Nikhil Harry.
1: So my Nikhil Harry take is that he's really good with the ball in his hands. He didn't do a ton of route running at Arizona state. I don't know if he fits what Kyle Shanahan wants in terms of, you know, separation skills and the ability to beat man to man coverage, which he always talks about when he talks about receivers but I do think there's a chance that Shanahan might deviate from what he likes typically in receivers to get a big bodied red zone, physical pass catcher type guy. Um, And Harry being really good after the catch is, makes him a fit in what Shanahan wants to do because Shanahan's so good at scheming guys open. So I do think Harry makes sense. I don't think he's the most seamless fit just from a pure fit perspective, but I think, If anybody can make him work, it's going to be Shanahan who really prizes his ability to evaluate receivers. And it's the, you know, it's the position group he studies the most leading up to the draft. So if that's who Kyle Shanahan wants, I'm not going to sit here and say I know better than he does. But I will say that uh, it would be kind of a departure from what he usually looks for. And maybe that's what the 49ers need, because we got to remember they were last in the NFL in, in red zone efficiency last year. And I mean, obviously, a lot of that is because Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt for for the last 13 games. But um, but it would be interesting. I, I do think Nikhil Harry, I know fans uh, have have talked about him going all the way back to last season during the college football season. But um, yeah, I think it would be a good fit if he's there at 36 and maybe trading back in round one. Like you said, I think A.J. Brown would be a better fit. And I think, oh, sure. and I think Debo Samuel would be a better fit, just from a pure fit perspective. I don't know that Brown or Samuel are better players than Harry, um, but I think they would they they are just more typical of what Shanahan typically looks for.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay,
1: with that, I think we're going to wrap it up on this Monday. Uh, thank you for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I think we're on Spotify, iTunes. And are we on Stitcher?
2: We are on Stitcher. I do believe so.
1: Okay, if you use Stitcher, search for Candlestick Chronicles. Like I said, rate and review. Uh, I'm Chris Biederman for Kyle Madsen. We're out, and we'll talk to you guys later in the week.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.